G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. I was invited to, to come to the CLA and the Christian Leaders Network, which is an amazing uh, meeting which happens every Thursday, um, where so many pastors and Christian leaders in Toowoomba come together for prayer and mutual encouragement. And usually there's uh, an Anglican bishops meeting in Brisbane on Thursday mornings. So I've had to decline, 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 decline. And then uh, a word came through from Brisbane to say, oh, bishops meeting is cancelled. I thought, great. Uh, so, so I went, Ian Shelton is a wonderful uh, pastor here in Toowoomba. Uh, and I gave him a call. I said, look, I'm, I'm able to come tomorrow. Is that okay? Absolutely fine. Come on down for a coffee. So I went down. And um, I think it was 64, 64 people there, and uh, just in a, two semicircles around the grand piano. And uh, we sang uh, songs of praise led by Evan Shelton. And it was just lovely, because we all, we all love, love the Lord, we all love to sing. And it was just this lovely time of, of ministering to one another. And uh, then the, the person facilitating the session said, uh, it's great to have Cam, Cam here, he's been here for a while, but we haven't had a chance to catch up with him. He's our guest speaker this morning. And uh, so I went, actually completely unprepared. I thought I was actually going just for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And um, I found myself a guest speaker. So I said, um, Look, I'm, I'm ever so sorry. I, I actually thought I was just coming to catch up. Uh, so I'll just have to speak as the Spirit leads me to speak. In a room full of people who understood what that meant. Do you know what I mean? You know, you can say it in another context and people don't, don't get it. Uh, and so I just shared what, uh, what the Lord put on my heart at that time. Yeah, probably about 25 minutes. And um, in the gathering there, there was Dave and Drew and uh, another person who, who were coordinating Easter Fest. And, and they had on their heart, they were looking for a speaker for Easter Sunday. So afterwards, they, they came and they said, look, we, we actually have a sense that uh, it would be right. You know, would you be open to the possibility of coming to speak at Easter Fest? Um, so when they explained what Easter Fest was, I thought, what a fantastic opportunity to, uh, to meet together with people from right across the Christian family and uh, to do that. So I rejigged my, my program and I've been absolutely delighted to be here, uh, really. Uh, I mean, I love music. I'm a musician and worship leader as well. So in the, in the mix of it, I said, you know, would you be happy for me not just to speak, but also to, uh, to share some songs? Uh, and they said, yeah, absolutely. You, you, I, I think it was, it was a leap of faith from their, their point of view. Um, but the feedback has been uh, terrific. You know, there's a, for me, there's been that lovely sense of God's Spirit going before us, you know, initiating uh, the invitation, uh, being in the midst of the preparation, and, and speaking somehow uh, through the words and the music, God speaking uh, through this very flawed instrument uh, here. Yeah, so have a tremendous sense of thankfulness to God. Cam, uh, one of the things that you shared during the course of the worship service this morning, which many people at Easter Fest who were there um, really hung on to, was uh, that sense of love. And, and the whole Easter Fest theme for 2015 has been all about love changes everything. And here we are, Easter Sunday, obviously talking about the ultimate love. And you're tying in so many different elements. 
One of the things that I picked up on, though, was uh, from your past experience, you were uh, an Anglican priest in Rockhampton, but you're talking a lot about your work with refugees, and not just you personally, but your entire church working with many refugees through a Christian outreach in Rockhampton. Can you explain a little bit more about why and how you're doing it? Well, I think, you know, when Jesus was challenged uh, by the, the leaders of his time, what's the most important commandment? He just seemed to be breaking all the rules. And uh, there were 613 in those days. And uh, they said, well, what's the most important one? He sort of cut straight to the chase and said, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor uh, and love yourself. And so for me, in terms of the loving neighbor, it's where, where, does, where do we put boundaries around that? And so in the love for neighbor, if, we, if we're open to the possibility of somehow all of humanity being related to each other in God, that means that people in places far away experiencing persecution in, you know, uh, in different parts of Africa, in different parts of the Middle East, um, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, they are brothers and sisters in God. We are related to them somehow. So is there a way, was there a way for us to reach out to them? And it wasn't just uh, my church, the Anglican Church. We sort of put the call out and, and people came from a number of different churches to say, yes, we want to be a part of making this happen. Uh, and we used a model that's been developed in Coffs Harbour called the Sanctuary uh, sanctuary model where uh, local communities uh, raise funds, do education about the situation being faced by refugees and provide an interest-free loan. And so people come and then once they've got work they repay the loan and it becomes a circular, uh, circular fund which enables people to come uh, from quite often awful uh, situations that people are living with in refugee camps, uh, whether it's in Uganda or whether it's in Kenya or whether it's in Jordan, wherever it is. Uh, so that was it, really. It's, it's responding to that, that Jesus call to love neighbour and recognising that it's more than the people on the street or, or the people that we go to church with each week. Cameron Venables is the new bishop in the Toowoomba region, officially titled the Bishop of the Western Region for the Anglican Church in Queensland. Now, obviously, being a bishop, that uh, takes a fair bit of commitment within the life of the church. Um, that means that you're denomination, the, the Anglican Church has recognised your, your service and has asked you to take on even more responsibility. But take us back a little bit, Ta give us a little bit of the history of Cam Venables as a man of God. How did it come about that you entered the priesthood and how did uh, that journey lead you to Toowoomba to being a bishop? It's quite a long story. Um, so I'll give you the Reader's Digest version really. Uh, I was born and raised in Ireland uh, in a community in Northern Ireland which was torn apart by violence. Uh, you know, Catholics killing Protestants and Protestants killing Catholics, all of that, to the degree that my parents had to leave Belfast. And we moved to the mainland. Um, and, you know, you had a, a pretty regular uh, sense of growing up, but a, a growing sense of God in the midst of all of that. I was particularly inspired by the story of St. Francis of Assisi and his uh, very, very clear sense of call to follow Christ. So after, after studying at uni, I went to Papua New Guinea to serve with the Franciscans. I think really to test a vocation to see whether or not God was calling me to be a friar. Uh, but in the midst of that journey, I actually realized that there was a deep part of me that wanted to be married. Uh, so the Franciscan simply said, that's fine, you can just stay as a volunteer teacher. Uh, and in the midst of that journey, I actually felt a call to be, uh, to be an ordained minister. So I left Papua New Guinea and came down to, to Brisbane uh, and studied here. Um, I, and uh, you know, we were talking a bit earlier, man, about how theological education can actually broaden your whole sense of uh, the nature of God's love. 
and for me the uh, the way it, it manifests in so many different uh, countries and cultures through time so people were really worried I, I came down from a very itinerant ministry in New Guinea um, where my whole belongings were contained in a backpack and a guitar uh, to, to being static in Brisbane at the theological college so uh, where I went traveling was actually in the library you know I'd read and uh, find how, how people articulated their faith in Jesus, uh, particularly in countries in South America, in the Philippines, in different, uh, different parts of the Pacific. So I really enjoyed and loved that. Um, and then went back to New Guinea as an ordained minister and I actually thought I was going to stay there for the rest of my life. Um, some people said I was married to New Guinea. But in God's grace, um, uh, my life had been woven together with a beautiful Australian girl called Kate. And uh, so she came up. Uh, to New Guinea and we had this very profound sense that God was calling us to be together so um, we got married uh, in the midst of all of that she came up um, and and shared life uh, and love up there and then uh, life got pretty tough up there with the law and order situation so we, we came back to Australia um, worked in Lismore as part of a team ministry and then went to Rocky um, to head up a team ministry up there and was there for ten and a half years uh, and so it's a deep deep sense of heart connection with me uh, in that place because that's the place where my kids have a sense of growing up their uncles and aunties in Christ are all up there um, and their friends uh, are all up there and then um, it would have been in February last year the Archbishop called up uh, the Archbishop of Brisbane called up and said would you be open to a conversation it's always a scary thing when an Archbishop says that you know because um, he said would you be open to the possibility of a conversation about uh, you relocating and actually coming on to take on this this new role as Bishop of the Western Region. And so we prayed about it, and my wife had just taken on a new job, so the timing was not awesome, um, but there was a sense of rightness about it. So so Kate and I came down for interviews in Brizzy, and um, I think it's part of the divine humour of God. Somehow uh, the the interviewers all agreed that maybe this was the next chapter for us. So uh, I was made a bishop in June last year, and I moved first to Kate State in Rocky uh, to finish a contract um, for three months and then moved down with the kids. And so here we are uh, in Toowoomba. And uh, it's, it's kind of neat. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a national bishops uh, meeting, and, and we found that I am the, the youngest bishop in the Anglican Church of Australia, and Katie is the, the youngest and I think the most beautiful um, clergy spouse, you know, bishop spouse, you know. Uh, so y y I think if, if on the, the robes there was space for an L place, I would definitely be having it, probably flashing. Uh, I think it, it's a really significant shift when you're used to pastoring a congregation or a number of congregations so, and suddenly you're in a role where you're actually pastoring um, a whole lot of churches, you know, encouraging the leaders of those churches across an area that's one and a half times the size of the United Kingdom. You know, so in God's grace we have technology, uh, to be able to do that, so on the phone and uh, and through Skype, um, people say, "Wow, it's going to take you three days to drive to some of those places." And I said, "Well, you know, in New Guinea, I used to walk for five days to get to some of those places, and these days I can be on the phone half of the time anyway." You know, uh, so one of the insights from the bishops' conference was that it takes time to actually get a handle on what the role means and and what the call is. So. Uh, nine months in, I'm still on a journey, and I think it will be a good couple of years before I have a sense of, uh-huh, you're yeah, loving God, this is what you want me to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so on a journey. Now, those that did go to the Easter Fest worship service on Easter Sunday, 
uh, would have noticed that, as you mentioned earlier, that you introduced some singing into it, uh, some songs that you yourself had written. Um, you yourself mentioned earlier about uh, your entire life was contained in a backpack and a guitar. So that guitar keeps coming back. And you yourself, obviously someone who has found a lot of solace in music or, or maybe even a lot of inspiration. How would you describe it? Oh, definitely for me, I think um, there's, a, there's a T-shirt going around, Easter Fest at the moment, which says that uh, music uh, is where your feelings find expression. And I think uh, that's, that's true. You know, we, we articulate our feelings and our faith in music, and sometimes it's where the intellect and the heart uh, find expression together. Um, so when I went to New Guinea, uh, for, at first I went with a whole lot of sheet music and an ability to read music to a community that played by ear. So that community uh, and the bands that I played with up there taught me to play by ear, which was an extraordinary uh, gift, really. You know, uh, many, many people in New Guinea uh, have this extraordinary gift of harmony and this extraordinary love for Jesus and for song. And so uh, in a world that did, had no TVs, no videos, uh, and to the horror of my children, no internet, uh, you know, we used to sing around, sit around the fire in the evenings and sing songs and write songs and do all that kind of stuff. And that, that uh, continues to be a part of my life. Um, I actually you know, played with some bands up there, recorded up there, and, and I went back to London uh, after three years. Uh, and my, my old music teacher, my piano teacher, who's a very formidable uh, lady called Mrs. Deans, uh, I can't even say her first name out loud because it would be disrespectful, you know, uh, she, she asked me to go around, so I went around and, and I sung some of the songs in, in Orokaivan and in Wedau and in English. And she looked really thoughtful. and It was like having an audience with the Queen. You know? And, um, and she, she looked thoughtful as we drank tea out of those bone china cups that she had. And she said, you know, I find it amazing that you, the least gifted of the Venerable's children, have done so much for the music. And... Um, She's right. You know, my brother and sister are infinitely more gifted, but they actually, for whatever reason, you don't don't exercise their gift. And I, I, I'm very conscious of the limited gift that I have. But I think, in God's grace, if you use your gift, it will grow. And if you use your gift and encourage the gifting of others, amazing things can happen. Uh, so uh, it was funny. The reason I share the story is because uh, just before I went on, I was standing on the uh, on the stairs, and her words came to me. Yeah, there's that lovely stuff. Um, and I thought, God love you. God bless you, Mrs. Deans, because she put the grounding in. And no, no matter how basic uh, the musical gift that I have, when you offer the, whatever gift you have to God, God can do extraordinary things with it. And when, you're, you, when you invite others to share their musical gifts as well, you're able to lead God's people in worship. Uh, and God's Spirit is able to, yeah, I think really do something sweet with all of that. Well, just finally, you can... What, are, what is your hope for your role in this, this particular time? As you've mentioned already, it's a new role that uh, your church has asked you to take on, that your Archbishop has uh, entrusted to you. What is your hope for the future when it comes to the people of the western region of Queensland? I think, you know, having been here for nine months, I've been to all of the parishes, and I think it's the most extraordinary region. We've got two big cities, the city of Ipswich, the city of Toowoomba, uh, we've got regional, we've got rural, we've got remote because we go out to the border uh, with Northern Territory and South Australia. Um, and so it's, it's really, I think, uh, my hope is that in God's grace we can 
encourage people to grow in their relationship with Christ, uh, whether they're in, in a remote situation on a property or whether they're in a city, um, through good teaching, you know, through, uh, through good prayer, through resourcing prayer, through resourcing worship, um, with all of the, uh, the gifts that God makes available to us. Yeah, and that's not only technology, that's also the, the, the local gifting of people. There are some extraordinary people out there who, who in some ways um, are, have gifts that have yet to be invited to be used. Uh, it's about, for me, it's about recruiting good people uh, who can enable those gifts. And it's about building partnerships between uh, communities that have great capacity with communities that have less capacity, but in a way that actually enables those communities that have less capacity to help those uh, in the city particularly to realize that uh, in the West there is, there's some extraordinary things to learn, you know, great places to pray, extraordinarily faithful and resilient people to be inspired by. Uh, so that should keep me out of trouble for the rest of my life, actually. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.